to God's people and he just found out that Jerusalem is, is being destroyed, that the temple, the incredible temple that Solomon built is being destroyed and he's brought up into this vision and he's seeing these dry bones. And these dry bones, they're not just corpses. These are bones. Like they have all the way decayed. They are all the way dead. And they're, and they're God's people. It's the consequence of their disobedience and all the things we talked about last week. And he's, and he's brought into this vision of dry bones. And we see in this text, I believe, a word for you and I for those moments when we feel maybe very similar to this when it comes to our lives and dead things. And as we think about this, and as we think about, I would just encourage you right now in this moment to ask yourself, what is something in my life that feels dead? And just kind of hold on to that. We're gonna go back and revisit that. But it seems to me here in Ezekiel, I see three things a word from God, a word for you and I, a word for Ezekiel, four dead things. And the first is a simple word, trust. Trust. To say, I have no idea, but God does. Turn to the person next to you and say, I have no idea, but God does. Good job. If you're watching online, turn to whoever you're with or just the wall or just talk to yourself. Look at verses one through three here. Look at what happens. Look at how this plays out. It says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. God is all over this instant. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and he set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones, death, decay everywhere. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. He's getting a tour of all the death, of all the hopelessness. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? Picture this moment. Ezekiel, can these bones live? And in this moment, Ezekiel was asked this question. And I love his response. He says, O Lord, Yahweh, God, Elohim, you know. I have no idea, but you do. I, I, there's no way I can do something about all this death, but you can. But notice, he doesn't say you can, he says you know. He refers to God's omniscience and his, and his sovereignty and says, I trust you. I trust you with this moment right now. This is the posture that Ezekiel has in this moment where he's just surrounded by all these dead bones. It's trust. It's trust. 
complete trust to say, you are bigger, you are greater, you have a plan, and I don't know why I'm sitting here with all these bones around me. The consequences, not that this is not your fault, God, this is the consequences of, of our sin, of our idolatry, of our mistakes. But he gets to his point, and he just basically says, I don't know, but you do. So the first thing I would say here that we learn from Ezekiel here is trust. And it's so interesting because Ezekiel as a priest was prohibited from even being around dead things. And yet God is putting him in this situation, this circumstance. And so we see first a word of trust. But what I love here is he's not just told, hey, trust, and just sit down in those bones, and Ezekiel, maybe just cry, or take a nap, or feel sorry for yourself. No, there's also an action here. It's trust, but then also, secondly, there's an action, there's a speak. And in particular, he says, Something like this, God will breathe in this again. He says, speak to these bones, speak to this death, not your own words, words from God. God will breathe in this again. Speak. Look at verse four. This is how this plays out. He said to me, God's telling Ezekiel, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I, God, will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and will cover you with skin and I will put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Turn to the person next to you and say, God will breathe in this again. God will breathe in this again. There's this reference to this very breath of God. And as we know in the full story, when do we think about, when have we learned about God breathing into something? This goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. All the way back to Eden when God creates man in his own image before the fall of Genesis 3. And it says that the Lord breathed his very life into man. The word there. For breath is the spirit of God, the ruach. And so we see here that God is saying in the midst of all this deconstruction, in the midst of all this decreation of your sin, I am going to do a recreation. In the midst of all of these dry bones, I once again am going to create something. There's a recreation. And so Ezekiel is called to trust this. He's called to speak these. And, and picture this. He's talking to dry bones in this vision. There's this trust here. And so we see this. 
Trust, speak, and then watch. Turn to the person next to you and say, hold on to your seats. Or if you're Samuel L. Jackson in Jurassic Park, he would say what? Hold on to your butts, right? It's this moment of like, the Lord has said something. He's called Ezekiel to speak something, to speak power into something. And Ezekiel's trusting him, and he's still sitting in these dry bones. And then Ezekiel shares that he is watching something. Look at what happens here. Hold on to your seats. Look at what happens here. Verse 7. He says, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling. Don't miss this picture here. This is so powerful. And the bones, they, they came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, watch this. There were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he, God, said to me, Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath. Speak to the breath. Speak to the ruach. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain. He's talking about these dry bones. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. Watch this. Hold on to your seats. And they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Watch this. And Ezekiel's having this vision in the midst of exile in Babylon. Jerusalem has fallen, the temple is destroyed. Jeremiah has told them to repent. They have not repented. God has given them these visions and hinted of this hope. But in the midst of this vision, there's still profound darkness. And as we read this, and we see this, it's so vivid. And this vision is for Israel, is for exiles, who are, they're remembering the promises to Father Abraham. They're remembering the stories of when God shows up to Abraham and says these promises to him. And they're wondering, are we all that's left? What's going to happen? And as we read this, we ask this question, how does this apply to the dead things in my life? How does this apply to the dead things in my life? Or what I like to say in this full story series, how does my story relate to this story? Where do I fit in here in 2021 in America? Because this vision is actually not for necessarily you, it's for Israel. So you could see where you would think I'd be going with this sermon and you may be wondering, a good hermeneutic, a good interpretation would say, why, why, why are we applying this to me? Well that's because we know the full story. 
That's because we read the full story. And the full story tells us that this is a part of the big story that you and I in this moment, in this very minute, are a part of. And we know as God's people, as we look at this, we are reminded that God's promises to Father Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 when he said, you, Abraham, Israel, will be a blessing. And in you, out of you, Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families of the earth. This is a promise to more than just Israel. We remember Isaiah the prophet. And he had a similar prophecy. As we think about having a biblical theology and a hermeneutic of this, Isaiah said, and he, the Messiah to come, will swallow up on the mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up, look at this language, death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. Reminded of Mandalorian, I have spoken. You see, this vision was for Israel. And it was a glimpse of what would come with Ezra and Nehemiah that we're going to get to. But it was also for you and I, for the full story. We also know that this cycle in the story is a constant cycle of disobedience and sin from God's people and the Lord correcting and the Lord continuing to faithfully, graciously guide his people along, continue to write this beautiful story for humanity. And we know that it leads to John 1, 1, where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we know that the Word, capital W, is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. And we know that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, lived among us, had flesh and bones, and, and, and had fingernails, and talk and spoke and lived this Word, lived a perfect life and walked through a perfect life. And the very word that did not deserve to die would die on my behalf for my sins, would take on my iniquities so that I could have life. And we have this moment where the word is dead and where Satan thinks I win. This moment on the cross of separation, of darkness, and we think, and we find ourselves once again sitting in a dry bones. But this time, these are the very bones of the Messiah. And in the book of John, it goes forward and it tells us that the disciples are coming to a tomb, and it says, and Simon Peter came, following him, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded in a place by itself. 
Then the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and he believed. The dry bones had come to life in Christ himself. And we see the fulfillment of this prophecy in our Savior. And there's this principle here that is so paramount to us as we read this and as we think about the full story. And the principle is simple. Christ alone is the source of resurrecting power. Christ alone is the source of resurrecting power, the only source for where dry, dead things can come to life. It is in him alone, by faith, through grace, in Christ alone, that we see dry bone, dead things come to life, in particular, hearts. This is why in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you have your Bibles, I would just encourage you to circle, highlight, underline, new. When you think about these dry things, Dry, dead things coming to life. This is a recreation that is happening. This is a principle. This is why we sing this every week. And so we have this principle as a part of who we are and what we believe that Jesus changes everything. This is the ultimate, the, the pinnacle of the story. It is what the vision of Ezekiel is about ultimately. And so it leads into this practice, and the practice is turn to the person next to you, and if you believe in Jesus, you can say this, say this, I am new. I am new. I am new. I'm a new creation. And a part of being new is first, the need to trust the Father with it. The need to trust the Father with it. To say in the midst of dark, hopeless things, God, I cannot find a way to fix this marriage. I cannot find a way to step outside of this addiction, this struggle. I cannot find a way to provide or to, or, or, or to fix these issues that I have or the way that this person is treating me, uh, uh, but I trust you. Part of being new is being a person, a follower that says trust. This past week at VBS, every single day for the lesson we would say, Jesus holds the power to do this, and everybody would yell back, trust Jesus. I mean, learn so much from our little ones and this truth that we are called to be a people who say, I trust you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord this is wisdom, remember this, with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. This all looks dead around me. In all your ways, acknowledge him, but you know, and he will make straight your paths. New, I need to trust him. This is a part of the mixtape that should be playing in your head when you think about this. 
remember in that moment, empty paddleboard, dry bones. As a child of, the, of, of my father, I, my, my heavenly father, I remember in that moment thinking, you know what? I'm, I'm, I just said a little prayer to God. I said, God, will you bring me a pump? <laughs> <laughs> and this, this may sound silly. I was with Scott, and Scott said, Logan, you're going to use this story later on. I said, ah, oh, probably. I remember kind of praying about that and just saying, God, I just, I, just, I, I don't. And I kid you not, about 30 minutes later, this father comes down, there's these three dads and their, their daughters coming down to, to enjoy Tahoe. And he has on his back the same exact paddleboard that I had. And he remembered his pump. I remember pumping that up and in my head thinking, hear this though, thinking, oh, this is a coincidence, even though I've never seen anybody with the same paddleboard ever since. And then I started thinking about this and thinking about our need to trust. And I was thinking about, here's the truth though. The reason why I could pray to my father to provide for this is because he's done something in the dry bones of my heart that caused me to call out to him. It's because of a relationship with him. It's not even about a paddleboard being provided. It's about a God who's done something in me to bring me to life. I once was dead. There's nothing, listen, there's nothing you can do to, 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 to resurrect yourself. I've never heard of that beyond Jesus Christ himself. You cannot, when you are dead in your sins, you cannot fix that. But the Lord can. And the Lord's done that in me, and he's telling you he can do that in you, and in moments he does that through, with his people. And out of that we call to him. In our Celebrate Recovery class, we've been talking about this, and this past week we were finishing up the first book, and there was this quote I wanted to share with you because oftentimes when we think about our struggles, when we think about our dry bones, we think about, okay, I need to do this, 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 and this, and here's how I'm gonna get out of it, and, and I'm gonna have all the willpower in the world. The world tells us all you need is willpower. And Celebrate Recovery, I learned something this week that as Christians, we need to reorient and rewrite well, the way we define willpower. Listen to what this says. It says, we need to change our definition of willpower. Willpower is the willingness to accept God's power. We see that there is no room for God if we are full of ourselves. It's, it's a will to trust Trust Jesus. And so I, I declare in these moments when things are dead, the word for you and whatever is dead in your life is first to say I'm new. I need to trust the Father with it. Second, enunciate Christ over it. Enunciate Christ over it. I like the word enunciate, not just because it starts with the letter E and that will spell out new, but also because there's a, there's a focus to it. I'm thinking about the dry 
bones. I'm thinking about the dead things. And, and I'm trusting my Father. And I, like Ezekiel, am praying his promises over these dead things. And it's not just some sort of like, God, you'll make all things great. God is good. God is great. It's saying, this particular thing, I am enunciating what the thing is, and I am asking my Father to help with this. I'm saying very clearly to God that I trust him and asking him to do something in this broken, dead thing in my life. And I'm trusting that if it's his will, he will work. He will move. He has the power that I don't. So I enunciate Christ. And this is what God's people do. I love in that verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, about how we're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. It says this. The next verse says, all this is from God. God is in the business of resurrecting, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, look at what we do, the ministry of reconciliation. As we are reconciled, we are called to be a people that speak this reconciling, resurrecting power into dead places, into dead people. And I think sometimes, if we're being honest, this is a great time to evaluate the the way that we look at the world. The way I look at this person who I just think that person is so far gone. No, we are called to be a people that say that is a dry bones that God is going to do a mighty work for his glory alone. And we are called to be a people that enunciate Christ over that. I love the words to in Christ alone. It says this. This is what it means to be a people of reconciliation. No guilt in life. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me from life's first cry to final breath Jesus commands my destiny no power of hell no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I stand enunciate Christ over it So a part of being a new creation is there's this need, there's enunciation. Need to the Father, enunciate Christ. And finally, wait. Or maybe you'd like to, maybe you'd like to use the word watch for the Spirit's work in it. Wait for the Spirit's work in it. I have a need, I enunciate and I wait. Notice the Trinity here. I'm trusting the Father. I'm enunciating Christ, and I'm waiting on the Spirit to work. This is the Godhead working and moving. And we learn from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, says, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit, the breath, the very breath that we know has been recreated in us, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Death? Oppression? No freedom. We are a free people. 
And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are doing what? Are being transformed. There's an ongoing process in you and I in this process of becoming new. Into the same image from one degree of glory to another. It's like I'm becoming more new and more new and more new. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. He's doing something in you and me. And for some of us, we may find ourselves in these valley of dry bones. And maybe it's in our own heart and we're wondering, could God do something in me? Or maybe it's a relationship or maybe it's a circumstance. And I think what you need to hear today is, yes, trust Recognize your need. I can't do it on my own. Speak Christ. Enunciate Christ over it and wait. This past week, got the honor of going to Almodor's dad's memorial service in Fresno. Almodor did the eulogy. It's for Almodor Sr. And Almodor told this story of his dad. It's kind of a dry bone story. He talked about how when he was a young kid, his dad had a vision that the Lord was calling him to be a missionary. His dad was a pastor, was calling him to be a missionary in Colombia, like one of the most dangerous places in the world. And he kept having this vision, and he felt like the Lord was calling him to this place. And Almodor tells the story of his father getting the passports and talking to the church and, and raising the funds to get there. And they show up to the, they, they fly across, they land in Colombia. And he says that we were all sitting there in the airport, and he said that his mom looked to his dad and said, okay, Almodor, we're here, now what? And his dad had not planned anything beyond that point. This is not a made up story. This is a, a story of a saint. And in that moment, his dad said this, we wait. Could you picture that dry bones moment? As a father, being with my kids and my wife and, and, and being in Colombia. And Almodor said they waited. And he said, and then all of a sudden there was this truck and there was this goofy white dude in a truck that drove up, a missionary. And he walked up to his dad and he said, I had a vision last night from God that I was to come to the airport and pick up a missionary family. Those are the kind of moments for God's people. Did you know that Ezekiel's name means to be strengthened? This morning, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I'd encourage you, as you think about some of the dry bones, some of the dead things in your life, to join in the confession of the Christian church that Jesus is the answer to becoming new. And that I'm gonna trust him. I'm gonna need him in this moment. I'm not gonna do it myself. I'm gonna speak over this and I'm gonna wait for him to do this with anticipation 
And I would encourage you wherever you are. Maybe in this moment, maybe in this moment, you've never confessed Jesus, the one who beat death, the one who resurrected, and that very power is given to us. I would encourage you, confess your faith in him today. Believe in him. Continue. Let's continue to be a church that confesses this together. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite you, as you think about the dead things in your life, to let this be a time to confess to Jesus that he has the power to bring them to life. Would you pray with me? Are we going to sing the song? Yeah? Rattle? Cool. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now in this moment, God, I know for me I can find myself in places where I'm a little discouraged or there's darkness or... But God, you are the God who first came and took my sin and took my darkness, took my death and bore it all. And then you resurrected. And in this moment, I pray to my resurrected, we pray to you, Jesus, and you have the power to do incredible things, more than we can ever ask or imagine. Ephesians says, we who were once far from you, you have broken down the barriers. You have done the work. You have called us. You have drawn near. And in this moment, God, we're going to sing this song about dry bones coming to life. And I pray that this song, even though it's new, would be a song that we confess a song of your church confessing who you are, what you do, what you have done. And I pray, God, in this moment, for anybody here watching, if they are in a dead place, Holy Spirit, you are the only one that can bring that to life. You are the one who works. We cannot bring that own life. So I pray that you would do that work, that we trust you with that. I pray for the brother, the sister who is thinking about a friend, thinking about a relative who is so far from you. I pray that we would believe that you can do a mighty work in those hearts. I pray, God, that for marriages, for families, for this community, that we would be a place where we share stories of dry bones coming to life. We would be a people that people say, those people, they need their father. Those people, they enunciate Christ over everything, and those people, they wait on the Spirit's work in them. And so we trust you and we love you, and we pray this together in the name of the Father who we trust, the Son who we speak, and the Spirit who works. Amen. So we're singing this song, and I, again, ask for your help with this. So can we all stand to our feet? It's a new song. Boy.
broadside and there was a sound of a whole of rattling and the boats came together bone to its boat and the breath came into them and they lived and they stood on their feet an exceedingly great army and they sang this 